This is reposted. Every morning, Larry and I dig into a quote or idea that has caught our eye. Our hope is that our chat inspires you to never stop thinking and possibly challenges you in a new way. If you'd like to help support the show, please visit patreon.com slash reposted. Thank you for stopping by. Rabbi Yonason Goldson is the keynote speaker with 3,000 years experience and is director of the Ethical Imperatives LLC. He has a book out right now called Grappling with the Gray, an ethical handbook for personal success and business opportunity. You can find his book on Amazon, or you can find out more about Rabbi Goldson. You can visit his website at yonasongoldson.com. There's also a link to his most recent TED Talk, which I highly recommend checking out. I'm going to jump into it real quick. I got a quote from you. It says, it is far less painful to be left to our own folly than to face the need for changing course. I think everyone needs to hear this. Everyone hates change. But can you explain what this means to you in your words? Well, sure. Uh, my, my wife is, is more uh, succinct, I think, when she says nothing likes change except a baby's diaper. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, we're all familiar with the, uh, with the famous phrase that uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So why do we keep doing it? Because it's not so much insanity as ego. The more we persist in a particular line of thought or a particular behavior pattern, the more invested we become in asserting that we're doing the right thing. Once we've made up our minds, now our, our reputation, whether it's to other people or to ourselves, is wrapped up in the success of whatever it is we're trying to do. And we can become so invested and so determined to prove that we're right, whether it's to others or to ourselves, that it's more painful to us to admit we're wrong than it is to persevere in doing what we're doing. You know, if you ever had the experience where you're arguing a point and you're passionate about it and you're trying to get the other person and suddenly in the middle of the argument, it occurs to you that you're actually wrong. <laughs> ever have that experience? What's our natural inclination? Double down. Yeah. <laughs> Start fighting harder. It's ludicrous. But you know, how can I back down now when I've invested so much, you know, my, my personality, my reputation, my integrity is on the line when really it's the opposite. There's nothing that demonstrates character more and more clearly than admitting that you're wrong when you're actually wrong and saying, okay, now I'm wrong. Let's try and fix things. Let me, be, let me start being right now. Sort of along those same lines, you know, one of the big problems that we all know right now is the idea of polarization. People are only spending time with people that we think have our opinions. But you say you can only learn about yourself by spending time with people that don't think like you do. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a lot more comfortable to sit around in a circle. We all nod. We all, we all affirm. Uh, we're very comfortable that nobody's going to challenge us because we all agree to agree. But we don't learn anything. We don't discover for us. This is called groupthink. And you know, some of the great catastrophes of history have been caused by people who refused to entertain notions that challenged what they already thought, whether it was the, the French Maginot line uh, in, 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 in World, War, World War I, World War II, I don't remember. Um, I think it was World War I. They put up this fortification that went for hundreds of miles. And so what did the Germans do? They went around it. 
the Bay of Pigs fiasco, the 1984 Challenger disaster, the 2008 uh, economic meltdown. These were all things that some saw coming, but most didn't want to pay attention to because it threatened their worldview. Well, reality is going to catch up with you sooner or later. And when you <laughs> engage people who come from a different point of view, I mean, all the talk about diversity. What's the point of diversity? We get it wrong. It's not just about having numbers so everybody feels good and looks good. It's having different perspectives. It's having people coming from different vantage points. It's having every possible perspective and vantage point and, and, and position represented so that we can have the best chance of getting the best picture on reality. So you talked about in your TED Talk, you hitchhiked across America. And from what I could tell, one of the things you got from it was the ability to listen to people and shut up and just let people vent. I guess, what do you think the the line of just shutting up and listen to listening to people with differing views versus engaging? Like, how do you approach that di dichotomy, I guess? Well, the, the, the line I like to use is there's no app for being ethical. You have to use a certain amount of common sense. You have to use your intuition. Um, you have to be sensitive and empathetic. And when I got in, in a car as a hitchhiker, which, by the way, I don't recommend particularly. Um, <laughs> but what I realized is that how do I pay for my ride? I'm not paying for it with money. So I'm paying for it by giving the driver what the driver wants. And if the driver wants a sounding board, then that's how I'm paying for my for my if the, if the driver wants to be entertained by me talking, then now I've, I've got to be the storyteller. It's, it's feeling, intuiting the, the, the situation. So, you know, we all get in situations, we all get in conversations where people are rambling on and on and on. And at some point you try to finesse, <laughs> okay, I got it. <laughs> Let's, uh, I hear you, but that's part of it. And people want to know they're heard. And when people repeat themselves over and over again, it's because they don't feel they're being heard. Once people feel they're heard, now they're willing to listen. And then we can start having real conversations. Was that something that you learned as you jumped it into five or six cars? Or did you know that before you stuck your thumb out for the first time? Oh, no, no. I, I, I learned that as I went. I mean, yeah. particularly when I had people, and this happened more than once, people would say, but I'm telling you, I've never told anybody. Not my wife, not my kids, not my best friend. That's what we call the stranger on a train syndrome. Right? They knew they were never going to see me again. So they were comfortable telling me their secrets, which they weren't comfortable, which itself is kind of a sad statement that if I'm not, if I don't trust the people closest to me with my secrets, then it means I'm really not close to anybody. And, and that's, that's sad. When people can actually have, you know, I, I love the story of, of Antonin Scalia and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I mean, you couldn't find people who are who are more different politically or ideologically, and they were close friends. I mean, how rare is that today when people only make friends with people who think like them? And then we just we just retreat into our little enclaves. We don't learn, we don't grow, and we don't discover where we're wrong. Rabbi, your story is amazing. You you hitchhiked across America, but you also, you know, traipsed around the entire universe, it seems like. So you saw different cultures, different countries, different ways of living. You've seen the literal big picture of Earth. How do you help someone else see the big picture when they haven't seen the big picture? They live in a cocoon. How do you alter someone's cocoon when they haven't left? Well, one of the advantages I have 
uh, as an Orthodox rabbi is I can, I can challenge stereotypes. So for instance, on my TED talk, uh, I got up on stage and my opening line was, I am a religious fundamentalist. There's dead silence. <laughs> you know, 400 people out there going, uh-oh. And I said, I know, that's a dangerous way to start a talk. And everybody cracked up. I broke the tension. And, and then I went on to tell a story. You know, storytelling is the best way to communicate. Because I told the story of when I first encountered an Orthodox rabbi. And I had my stereotypes and my preconceptions. And this rabbi was the antithesis of what I imagined he would be. And the really, the wonderful moment about my TED talk is when I, I got off the stage and I circled around, I was coming back into the auditorium and a woman intercepted me and she said, when you got up on that stage, I knew exactly what kind of person you were. And I knew exactly what kind of talk you were gonna give. And you just blew away my expectations. Thank you. I thought, wow, you know, this really comes full circle. And when people, we encounter people who think differently from us, we think differently from them. We have our expectations, they have their expectations. And when you show someone that you're willing to listen and then you, you articulate back, you mean, this is what you mean. This is where you're coming from. They say, yeah, now they know they've been heard. Oh, you're a conservative and you listen to me, a liberal? You're a liberal and you listen to me and you're not yelling at me and you're not spouting dogma and you're not telling me I'm evil. Wow, maybe, uh, maybe I should give you a, you a chance. Isn't that how we open things up? One of the phrases, if you do any research on you, is that you often apply the wisdom of the ancients to the modern world. You know, there's lots of history in the Jewish religion, just plain history. So let's take, you know, religion out of it for a second because it gets a bad rap. How do we apply history to the modern world? How, do, how does history help us like today? Well, there, there are a few choice quotes that we can invoke. Um, most people have heard um, Santiana's quote that uh, those who... Those who don't learn from history are condemned to repeat it. But Frederick Hegel said, the great lesson of history is that nobody learns from it. <laughs> and Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. <laughs> right? Which means that when you study history, you gain life lessons. You understand where people went right, where people went wrong. And while we're not going to find ourselves in identical situations, the more we learn the lessons of history, the better prepared we are. When we find ourselves in situations, we have more to draw on. We have more visceral experience. We didn't go through it ourselves, but somebody else has. So whether it's philosophical teachings, whether it's actual historical vignettes, history is it's, it's our collective experience. And experience is the best teacher. If we learn from history, we're not going to get it right all the time, but we've got a better chance of getting it right more of the time. Rabbi Yonason Goldson, thank you so much for giving us some time today. Guys, check out his book, Grappling with the Gray, an ethical handbook for personal success and business prosperity. I'm Andrew Keller for Larry and the Rabbi saying thanks for stopping by. Thanks so much. <laughs>